ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 27 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn about offers, promotions, and more at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. We are here today for part two of our ongoing Super Collector series. One of the things I love most about our hobby is that it provides just a huge variety of ways to collect. You can have so many different focuses, and we're going to talk about what focus Paul Lesko has with his collection. Paul is an attorney, and Paul's focus of his super collection is cards that are related to lawsuits within the hobby. And it's a fascinating idea, a fascinating concept, one that it probably takes an attorney to be super interested in, but that's one of the things that's so cool about this is because the hobby does provide him an avenue to have this super specialized focus. And we're going to talk a little bit about that with Paul, what his background is, and and why those cards are so meaningful to him. But first, I'm going to tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors that breaks new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. You can check them out at udogcollect.com to see what they're going to be breaking this week, or you can visit them at their brick-and-mortar shop in Knoxville, Tennessee, where they've got a full selection of wax, singles, and you can even watch some of those breaks live there in the shop. Check them out at udogcollect.com and tell them Wax Pack Hero sent you. All right, we are back for another segment of our ongoing series this year on super collectors. And today we've got Paul Lesko. Paul, you are known as a go-to source for legal analysis of issues related to the sports card industry. You've been on several different shows over the last couple of years. Whenever there's a legal issue that comes up, But what some may not know is that you've built quite a collection of cards that are related to those legal matters. And that's what we're going to dig into today as we kind of talk about what you've got as a super collection. So welcome to the show. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. Let's start maybe with your origin story. When did you start collecting cards? So originally I started collecting cards back in the 80s, right around 84, 85, 86 was my peak time. Uh, and I really collected uh, baseball cards, which un- was unfortunate because I grew up in the sub- suburbs of Chicago. And instead of focusing on uh, basketball, you know, like maybe Michael Jordan or something, I focused on uh, Dwight Gooden. And so I had uh, quite a collection of uh, Dwight Gooden cards, which I thought for sure would have been worth a lot <laughs> now. But uh, no, I should have traded all those for Michael Jordan rookies, but uh, that didn't play out well. Um, as I got older, uh, you know, got busy with uh, college and law school and kind of fell out of uh, collecting for a little bit. 
But then when my kids were born in uh, 2006 and 2008, uh, probably like most people, I wanted to get something that I could give to the kids down the road, you know, and the first thing that popped up to me is why not get them original sets, you know, from 2006, get a tops, you know, complete set for them, 2008, do the same thing. And I had been away from uh, collecting for such a long time that I hadn't seen memorabilia cards. I hadn't seen uh, autographs. And it blew me away uh, that that's what collecting was now, what was available now. So I, I kind of dove in um, just trying to grab everything and collect everything with no real purpose. Uh, but then in 2010 and 2011, I started seeing all the lawsuits and all the legal issues that happen with trading cards. I mean, even just looking at a trading card, there's copyright notices, there's trademark notices, you have rights of publicity you have to uh, deal with. And then you had the lawsuits that were on top of it. And so uh, in 2010, I wrote my first article about the uh, Topps versus Upper Deck lawsuit. And that had to do with uh, Topps' 1975 frames. That Upper Deck had some inserts that utilized that same design and Topps sued them over that. And so as I wrote the article, I went to my local hobby shop and, you know, got some 75 cards, got some of the upper deck inserts. And it, I really liked how I could compare both of the cards that were at issue and then also explain it in the, the, the article that I wrote. And then after that, every time there was a legal uh, issue or a lawsuit that came out, I wrote an article or I tweeted on it. And then I had to go back and get, get the card so I could explain it because that's really what lawyers kind of do is, you know, when you're talking to the judge or you're talking to the jury, you're trying to educate them about whatever issues that you have. So it's kind of natural that when it comes to trading cards and uh, the issues there, I wanted to explain everything to everybody. But then uh, after collecting the cards for any legal issues that were now, there's a rich litigation of litigation going backwards in time also. So I had to go back and try and collect as many cards. And it's um, most of my, not most, quite a bit of the collection is on the walls in my office right there. And you can see that, you know, there, there are quite a few cards that have legal issues and I don't have them all. Uh, I hope to at some point, but uh, the problem is some of these cards are worth a lot of money. <laughs> so it's good to never have everything. You're always, it's, you always want to be hunting for something. And that's, you know, part of the fun of what this is. It's so interesting to me that this is, you know, we talk, we talk a lot in the hobby about finding a way to make the hobby connect to passions in your life. And with you being a, a practicing attorney, that concept of connecting both the hobby to legal matters is, is unique, right? There's, there's probably not a lot of people that have the passion for both of those things like you do in a way that would make you want to, to draw those together. So I, I think that's cool how that got started. When you, a couple of questions there, you mentioned you wrote an article. Where did you, where did you write those articles at? What, where were those published? So the original article I wrote was just for my uh, just for my firm uh, that I was at. They, you know, most firms you're at, they like you to get involved in client development activities. And one day I'm like, hey, there's this great lawsuit. I want to write about it. Uh, and after I wrote that article, uh, Cardboard Connection uh, reached out to me, and they said, hey, you know, we read this article. We'd like, you know, if you have any free time, you know, write an article every once in a while for us. And I'm like, fine. And it ended up becoming almost because uh, 2011 and 2012, there were so many lawsuits that were filed in the industry. So I ended up writing, you know, probably several hundred articles for Cardboard Connection on legal issues over the years. And 
but then, you know, more recently within the last probably 10 years, I've been, uh, or maybe eight years, I've been a little bit more busy at work. So I haven't had time to write articles, but any chance I get, I try to blog or tweet about the legal issues because uh, I, I have a routine every morning. I try to get to the office. Uh, I, I don't sleep well. So I get to the office as early as possible. And like most people, I can't just instantly dive into work. So I have a number of searches set up on my uh, browser. I go to the trademark office, go to the patent office. I go to court dockets. I have a number of cases that are set up. So basically I have a, 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 a my window, I have about 23 windows that open up all at once in the morning and I click through each one to see what's going on. And that's you know how I start my day. See if anything, most times nothing happens. Sometimes something does. And if it's something new, before I tweet about it or do anything, I go to eBay and see if I can find the card and poach the card off eBay before I write about it. I always love when I'm talking to somebody and the conversation automatically, like naturally just goes to the next question that I had, because literally the next question I had was what kind of searches do you do to make sure you don't miss a lawsuit? And you've already nailed that one. You've already covered it. One of the other things that you had touched on there is as you started to get into it, you realize that that these lawsuits also go back in time and that there are cards and situations and and things from the past that have led to some big legal issues how far back does your collection go how far back have you kind of gathered cards related to some of these legal matters that the the hobby has seen the uh probably as far back as i've gone is the 40s and the 50s uh and that's really right about the era uh of uh right when the right of publicity came about, because I don't know if many uh, non-legal people know, but uh, the right of publicity, basically requiring permission of someone famous or an athlete to use their picture, that really was derived due to lawsuits in the trading card world over who, the top signing athletes and other companies wanting to come uh, come into there. And there was a lot of litigation over that. So those are the oldest cards that I've that I've got. Uh, the problem is, you know, as you get older than that, there are other legal issues that you hear about. And I mean, not even just older than that, but even in the 70s or the 60s, there's legal issues that you've heard about that you can't really go to a database and find out if there's a lawsuit. So some of my collection I collect on also rumors of lawsuits. Like there are some uh, tops cards where uh, you have the Houston Astros, and I don't know the exact years. I think it might be like 50, 51, 52, where uh, originally when the Houston Astros first came out, the tops card said Astros. The next year, they just said Houston. And the rumor is that at the time, Monsanto had a trademark on AstroTurf and that there may have been some type of dust up over that that name. And that's why it went from Astros to Houston, to Houston, then back to Astros after that, because the whatever problem may have been resolved. Now, I don't know if there was a lawsuit because it's, you know, there weren't really computer databases searchable back then, but it sounded good. So I collected those cards. So uh, I would like to, at some point, if I ever get free time, I do want to try to put together like a coffee table book. That would be the definitive book of lawsuits in the industry and actually show examples of all the cards. Uh, but uh, the longer I'm doing this, you know, I, I keep finding out about legal issues that I didn't know about. I mean, even just two weeks ago, somebody pointed out that uh, the, uh, you know, Houston used to have a, you know, they used to be called the, uh, the Colt 45s. Mm -hmm. And then uh, due to legal issues, they couldn't, you know, that was owned by Colt. 
So then the next year they're just called the Colts, you know? So I did just recently got those two cards to my collection. So it's. <laughs> yeah. That kind of hits on, you know, some of these lawsuits connect to a specific card. Like over the last couple of years, we saw Michael Jordan in the background of a couple different Panini cards and that those specific cards led to uh, a flare up, you know, between Panini and upper deck. But some of these other lawsuits, like you just mentioned, are a little more broad in nature and it might, account for an entire year's run of a team set, like you just mentioned with Houston. So how do you narrow in on what card fits? Is it, is it just that particular card or in a situation like this, this Houston dust up, do you get every Houston card from, from those releases? How do you narrow in like kind of what's going to fit in with your collection? Originally, I tried to get every card. So with, uh, and it, it started with the first lawsuit with the uh, tops versus upper deck over the 75 frames. Uh, I tried to get every single upper deck insert. Uh, but then at some point, it was at the point of diminishing returns, because when it comes to my wall, I'm not going to put all those cards up there. That's just too many cards. So now what I do is I uh, try to get at least one, maybe the most prominent or one of the more prominent cards. And then as my you know, collecting year goes, if I have a month or two where I'm not buying any cards, well, then I'll start to go back and fill holes. So the most important thing for me is to get one card, just, just to have one card to start it off and then complete it you know, later. Uh, but even still now, I haven't completed that uh, Topps uh, Upper Deck insert set. Uh, I certainly uh, don't have all the 75 uh, topses, I probably could get those, but the upper deck inserts are a little bit more difficult to, to find each one that's there. And one of the first lawsuits that I was involved with, I don't know if you can see it over my shoulder, there are these uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards uh, that uh, upper deck actually counterfeited some of its own Yu-Gi-Oh cards that it sold. Uh, and there are, uh, gosh, I don't remember, it's 12 or 10 or however many of them there are. Uh, but I spent about eight years trying to find uh, the original of each card, which was easy, and then to tr find the specific counterfeit. There's lots of counterfeit Yu-Gi-Oh cards that are out there, but I had to find the correct counterfeit. And the issue that we had was the counterfeits were had a silver sticker on them, whereas the originals had a gold sticker on them. Now, some actual Yu-Gi-Oh cards would still have the silver sticker. It depended on first edition or first release, whatever it was. So quite often, uh, and it was a running joke I had on Twitter, where I would ask for the last three cards, uh, last three counterfeit cards I was looking for. I'd see them on eBay. I'd think the sticker would look silver. And I'd ask the seller, hey, is this st sticker, is it gold or silver? And invariably, they all came back, oh, it's silver. So I'd order it, get it, 99 cent card shows up. It's gold. I'm like, oh, not again. So I have a heck of a collection of authentic uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, which I didn't want. I wanted the counterfeits, but uh, I think it was two. It was right when um, COVID started. Was when I got that last card and completed that set. So it's uh, definitely something that I will be doing for years. You know, I don't want to hurry up and get them all. I try to get a bargain on them if I can, <laughs> but you know, sometimes that even backfires. How many are you up to now? Like how many cards are in this collection? I don't know. It's enough that I have to rotate it. Okay. Uh, so, so uh, you know, I try to display as many cards in my office as possible because I figure that's, you know, 
my my kids don't care about my cards. My wife doesn't care about my cards. And so we have more people come into the office. So uh, I have at least enough to rotate at least three or four different collections of cards without a repeat up here. But I have my favorites. You know, I have some that I keep up there the whole time. And then there's some lesser issues. And there's some I've forgotten what the issues actually are. <laughs> so I have to go look them up. <laughs> what are some of those favorites? This is actually... Um, I don't know, too much of a glare. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite cards. Uh, this has to do with it was actually a uh, one of the first uh, Tops Now cards that I was aware of that had uh, a typographical error on it. Uh, it's a, a Josh uh, Harrison card that originally, when Tops sold it, they uh, said it was a John Harrison card. Uh, so I placed an order for it, uh, and uh, Tops corrected it and made it a Josh Harrison card rather than a John Harrison card. So uh, being a lawyer and liking cards involved in lawsuits, I'm like, well, you know, this, this is an opportunity. So I brought a lawsuit against Tops saying, I want the John Harrison typo. I don't want the Josh Harrison card. I want the John Harrison card. That's what I bought. So, uh, you know, ultimately fast forward and, you know, here we go in my collection. Now we have, you know, both the Josh and the John Harrison card. <laughs> so, so that's, uh, th that's, that's probably my all-time favorite card just because again, it's got... Uh, the connection, it's, you know, a card with legal issues, there's a lawsuit involved, and I got to actually say, and, you know, I was the person that sued on it. So that's, that's, that's my personal favorite right now. And that's probably part of the reason I think tops on a lot of these print on demand products now have a disclaimer in there that, you know, they're not responsible for typographical errors that, you know, basically what they show may not be the the final copy that you see if there was a typo, right? Like I'm sure I, that I've heard. A I've heard some people joke around that that's the uh, Paul Lesko disclaimer. <laughs> so. so does that, uh, one of the other things I was curious about, and, and that's a, a great example of one that you were directly involved with. Um, so I wanted to know what are your, one of your favorite lawsuit related cards were, but what is one of your favorite card related lawsuits in general? Oh, that, yeah. I mean, that one you're, you're involved with. So other than and maybe that one that you instigated, what is one of your other favorite card related lawsuits? So my favorite card related lawsuit, and it's, it's a difficult one that I probably you know can't get a card from it's uh, upper deck versus upper deck. Uh, there was a lawsuit where uh, the U.S. upper deck was sued by uh, the European upper deck. Uh, and it basically was over those Yu-Gi-Oh cards and the settlement for the Yu-Gi-Oh cards and the European uh, company didn't like that. And I like that lawsuit so much because it was just an absolutely crazy lawsuit. Uh, I mean, you don't often see, you know, you don't see Coca-Cola versus Coca-Cola. I mean, I even think they had joke ads uh, about that where, you know, Coke, new Coke wanted to sue old Coke, or I, I don't remember exactly what it was. So just the, the name of that lawsuit was crazy. But then internally within that lawsuit, there was name calling. It was, uh, I, I called it the uh, Jerry Springer experience because it was so much infighting. And during that lawsuit, there was a hearing uh, where, I, uh, where so for some reason, one of the parties produced uh, one of my articles because I wrote a lot about that lawsuit to the uh, judge. To, this, and I think it had to do with they wanted a, uh, a confidentiality order to make sure some of the uh, some of their detailed information wouldn't go out to the press. And the uh, judge in that lawsuit said that, um, you know, there, I've, I've read an article uh, that was attached that uh, compared this lawsuit to a, a Jerry Springer experience. And I find that description apt. And I just love that because I'm like, hey, a judge just called me apt. 
<laughs> you know, so so that's 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 my you know personal favorite lawsuit uh, that's out there. But I don't really have a card from it because it's really the, the cards from uh, when Yu Gi Oh Yu Gi Oh suit upper deck. But I guess I can kind of say that. Uh, but my favorite, my current favorite card with legal issues would be the uh, this uh, Justin Herbert downtown card. Yep. Uh, this is one where uh, recently a artist, uh, and I, I don't know his name yet. I'm, I, sh I should really know his name. Uh, uh, once this downtown card was out and released, he posted on Twitter uh, and said, hey, Panini, um, that's my art. And he attached three uh, images that he had, which were each of these characters that are on there. Those are his Bolt Hero characters that he has. And he alleged that Panini didn't have permission to put those uh, Bolt Heroes on his card. Uh, so uh, no lawsuit has been filed yet on this. Uh, part of the reason I think is because you can't sue uh, unless you have a copyright registration in hand. And that takes several months to get a copyright registration. So uh, so I bought this card preemptively. It's got legal issues. So I thought that was you know good enough, but I'm you know fingers crossed hoping in uh, 2022, we do see a lawsuit uh, on this card, but it's my personal uh, favorite uh, card that I have right now. You had talked about making some tweets and um, kind of showing off some of the, the cards that you've tracked down, some of the, the things that you're monitoring on Twitter. One of the other things that you've done recently on Twitter is kind of kicked off a tournament of hobby annoyances. Talk to me a little bit about where that idea came from. Sure. Uh, it was uh, uh, three years ago. I think it was uh, probably... Uh, right before COVID or right during COVID, uh, you know, everybody in the hobby has their own little personal annoyances and, and they're all kind of funny, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, please cancel this order. My kid uh, accidentally uh, purchased this for me or, uh, you know, when you're looking at an eBay, somebody has look written uh, in the description or please read, you know, there's all these little like red flags or little issues that are out there. And uh, one day I was just joking around and saying, you know, wouldn't it be funny if we did like some type of tournament uh, to see which was the most annoying. And uh, after I did that, people said that might be a good idea. And so, I, you know, I just went down and went into Excel and tried to write down as many of annoyances uh, as I found. And there's a lot. I mean, I, I, I re really quickly got the 64. Um, then I asked for some others that people had and put some of those in. And, you know, then I just today would have uh, completed the third, uh, the third of these, the th our third hobby annoyances tournament. Um, and it got so large that uh, the last two years I had to have play-in games <laughs> to even get into the field of 64 uh, uh, to be annoyance. Uh, so it's, uh, it's taken off. Um, I have a lot of fun doing it. It takes a whole month to get through everything. Uh, I hope a, a, a lot of the collectors like it. Uh, this year, I heard some people say, hey, can we put the Hobby Annoyances tournament in the tournament next year? Because it kind of annoys me too. <laughs> so I think we'll have to <laughs> do that also and see if that if that ultimately ends up winning, that'll be the last year we do the tournament. But <laughs> what, what were the big upsets this year as far oh, as, uh, as what you thought compared to what actually played out? I thought for sure NFTs would make it to the uh, final round because uh, uh, so many people are uh, don't like NFTs. Uh, but no, it, it got pretty far, but it was knocked out uh, uh, and didn't didn't quite make it there. 
Uh, being a lawyer, I am always pulling for exclusive licenses. And I have, it's even in the tournament twice, exclusive licenses with players and then exclusive, exclusive licenses with the leagues. Well, exclusive licenses with the players got knocked out first round and then exclusive licenses with the leagues got knocked out second round. And that I just find that as a lawyer, that it's really disappointing to me. But as a collector, it's even worse because it's this. That's really one of what I think is the biggest problem is exclusive licenses with manufacturers. But I guess everybody else is happy with only one manufacturer making licensed product. Yeah, I wonder how much of that. That's one of my biggest annoyances, and that that would would have been one of my votes. I wonder just how much of it has been people at this point feel resolved to the fact that that's the way it's going to be, especially with this recent Fanatics deal that we've just signed. That seems to be for extended periods of time, a renewal with Upper Deck in the NHL for an extended period of time. I wonder if people are just giving up on the hope that someday we'll see multi-company licenses again. I wonder if that's a piece of why, why that just uh, fell out so quickly this year. Yeah. And, and I also think, uh, you know, as uh, as collectors, you know, as we get older and as collectors get younger, uh, I mean, we have to keep in mind that, you know, when I started collecting in the 80s, there were a lot of manufacturers who were making a lot of licensed product. Um, you know, if you've only been collecting for the last four or five, six years there, you haven't seen that. So it's not going to be annoying to people because they don't know how great competition actually can be. So, Well, I appreciate you coming on, talking a little bit about what you're passionate about and this collection that you're building, it seems like a lot of fun. I appreciate the uniqueness and the variety that it that it represents. And I definitely appreciate the insight that you bring to some of these card-related lawsuits. Um, if people are want to follow along, if people want to learn more about what's going on, where can they connect with you and, and follow along with, with some of these thoughts, ideas, and concepts that you're sharing? Where can people follow you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter. So uh, at Paul underscore Lesko, uh, that's the easiest way to find me. I try to respond to everybody who reaches out to me. Uh, so if you have, uh, I don't give legal advice uh, over the internet, but if you have you know questions that are out there or things to look for, I'd be uh, happy to talk to you. Well, thanks again for coming on today. I really appreciate the time. No, thanks for having me. And, I, and as I'm sure you know, uh, a collector's favorite thing to do is talk about his own collection. So uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. The Sports Card Shop is your small-town local card shop with a global reach. Located in New Buffalo, Michigan, the shop is one of the most accessible in the Midwest. In addition to being an authorized Panini Direct Dealer, the Sports Card Shop carries all major trading card brands, including Tops, Upper Deck, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and more. With all that new wax, a half million singles, and showcases full of graded cards, you're sure to find something great for your collection, whether you're just starting out or a seasoned collector. The Sports Card Shop is your one-stop shop. So call us, come see us, or visit us on the web and social media. Our phone number is 269-469-0140. Website is thesportscardshop at moco.com. The Sports Card Shop is part of the MoCo Retail Group, connecting sports, the hobby, and people around the world. So if you've ever wanted to start a card collection based on cards that have relation to legal matters, then Paul just gave you some great ideas on how to get started with that. Paul is a great follow on Twitter. It's at Paul underscore Lesko, and he has great input 
He has a great insight into all of these lawsuits that we see from that that pop up from time to time. So check out Paul's Twitter and follow along if you have any interest in that. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. Reach out on Twitter at the Mike Summer. Send me an email at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram or TikTok at waxpackhero. I'd love to hear what you think about the show. I'd love to hear what you think about Paul's super collection. Well, that is all I have for you today. So I'll catch you next time.